chapter 4, verse 7, to all my state, state shall Tychicus, and I've heard that say Tychicus, 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 I don't think he's going to mind when you get to heaven how you pronounce his name. I think it really don't matter to then. But uh, I've heard it pronounced all kinds of different ways. You may hear me pronounce it several different ways before I'm through with it tonight, too. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, salutes you, and Marcus, sister, son of Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandment, if you unto you receive him. And Jesus, who is also Justice, who are of the circumcised, thee only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been comforted unto me. Erapus, who is one of the youth, a servant of Christ, salutes you always laboring feverly for your in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear record that, that he have a great zeal for you, and them that are Laodicea, and them at Herophilus. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren with our Laodicea, and Nepus, and the church which is in his house. And when then the epistle is read among you, cause that it to be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And they say, Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Let us pray. Father, we come before you tonight. Lord, thank you for all that you've done. Father, we just ask you to open our hearts just for this brief moment as we study your words. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. This is the last message in the correction from Colossians. We've, we've, uh, uh, we've been in all four chapters, and tonight I know that the verses we just read is not those verses that uh, cause you to shout or get excited, but I want you to know uh, the reason why we have been studying uh, this book of Colossians. It started this series of message on the Colossians to begin with. We started the study because we realized that Paul not only writes to the church at Colossae, but he also writes to the church at Laodicea through this letter. We, we remember we read about the church at Laodicea in the Revelation, that in the last days they were lukewarm, the last day was lacking church, and the last days of the church had locked Jesus out of his own building and out of his own fellowship. Uh, and that church that laid aside all their good things, uh, all their good works for God, and, and serving the Lord to be a carnal, run-of-the-mill, average, last-day church that we see today. We read about all these churches, and we read about all this in Revelations. But the truth it is, 30 years prior to that a Revelation, uh, Paul writes uh, uh, this letter to them, and, and he mentions them five times in the book of Colossians. It is not by mistake, and I say that. It is not by accident, and I believe that the, if the church at Laodicea had received the heed, the warning that Paul gave them in this letter, years, 30 years prior, they would have wind up being in the mess they were wind up being in, in that church, and we read about in Revelations. 
trying not to, I'm, I'm telling you, we're, we're trying not to wind up to be like the last day church, later to see in church. We, don't, uh, we want to receive corrections from the, the book of Colossians. We want to see what Paul told them that, that would have kept them from being in that lukewarm church, that lacking church, that church that kicked Jesus out, to keep us from becoming that kind of a church tonight. And, I, and, I, and I'm telling you that because we see that today in the last day's church that we have in this world today, they have gone to that standard. And I don't want to see that happen here. We have uh, uh, several aspects that we've looked at in this book here. We found corrections to continue in, in, in chapter 1. Then we found corrections to, uh, for compromising. And, and, and then we looked at uh, uh, corrections to continue to, to continue to move closer to be like Lord and always striving to be like Him. But tonight we're looking at uh, the corrections for the right kind of companions. The right kind of companions tonight. Here in the last 12 verses we just read, uh, verse 7 all the way down to verse 18, in the book of Colossians, we find that Paul, in those 12 verses, he mentions 11 names. He mentions 11 names. He highlights his companions in the work of the ministry. You may also, uh, what does that have to do with us? Well, I, I feel if, we, if we're like Paul's pattern and apply it to our lives, it would be highly critical to keep the right company in your life as you walk the work with God. You should know tonight, I, I believe one of the reasons why the Laodicean church got off track, why they get the way they were, they stopped keeping the company with the right kind of people in serving God. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 33, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Have you heard what you have heard? If you laid it down, you, if you lay down with dogs, you're going to get fleas. I've heard that all my life. I found that some people are more scared of the ridicule uh, of what their friends say than what they think God thinks of them. They, they, they don't want the rebuke or chastisement of God, and they, they worry about what their friends think about them. If we're going to keep our congregation pointing in the right direction, the way that it should be, then you and I are going to have to have this correction from Colossians to have the right companionships in our life and that walk beside us. Not only each of us, but the, everyone tonight, the right companions in your life should be the most of the thing, especially to continue with the church tonight. We find Paul's inner circle here. He mentions them the, down through these verses, Titus, Onesimus, Archippus, Marcus, Barnabas, Justus, Rappus, and Luke, Demas, and Archippus. He mentions all these different uh, guys. And what, what you'll find out about all these guys, you read about it, he points out something about their life. He points them out. He, he, he points out their, their soldier, the Lord, they're bound in glory, living for the Lord. At one point in their life, they're always pl they're plugged in. As Paul mentions their names, and he says there's something about it. What does that say to you and me? It, it's this. If you're going to be in the right kind of Christian, you need to, be with or not, need to have the right kind of people to hang out with you. People that are plugged in tonight. People that's highlighted the fact that, it's, uh, that it happens. Uh, I, I read this story. Uh, uh, a man was, had his garden and his crows were uh, uh, getting in his garden. So he got, went in and got his shotgun. And he come out and went, boom, boom, feathers flying everywhere. And he walks over there and there in the middle of those crows. 
there was his pet bird. And his kids run out and said, you shot a bird, you shot a bird, and it was a parakeet, you shot a bird. And they said, why did you shoot the bird? Why did, why did this happen? What would this, why would it cause this to happen? He said, one thing, he was hanging out with the wrong kind of crowd. He's hanging out with the wrong kind of crowd. He shouldn't have been hanging out with crows. I find a lot of Christians today will hang out with the wrong people that get in their lives and cause them to stumble and fall away from the walk that they're in now. It's very important that we have the right kind of companions in our life if we're going to continue. If you read in your Bible in 2 Samuel about the son of David, his name was Amon, and he started lusting out his own sister. Tamar, and the Bible said he, he, he thought to have her, but he knew that he could not. He knew that, was, that wasn't possible to be. His mind was thinking on this, but he said he had a friend. The Bible said he had a friend, and he said, but Amon had a friend whose name was Jonabab. And what he did, he kept poking and prodding Anam to do that and, and look you're going to have these people in your life that's going to poke and prob you to do the wrong thing you be careful you know this me young folks and old folks you better be careful of what kind of friendship you have in your life and I'm, I'm, I can go as far as tell you this you need to be careful of the friends and your family that you hang out with because they can cause you to stumble and fall in the walk with God you need to be careful you need to put the right kind of people in your life Paul denotes who the closest to me associated with not only calls out their names that associated with but he, but he also says something about the lost world. Look at verse number five. He said, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. In other words, they're not in, they're at without. They're not in, they're out. Redeeming the time, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. You see what the difference here is? He said, those that are without, those that are on the outside, and them... They're all those faithful brothers and sisters that are within. He says there's two classes. You have those that are your companions that should be close companions. They should be on the same walk with you, and there are those that are on the outside. You don't find him listing things about them. And the name of that, the world was saying these are the best. He didn't say the world's my best friends. These are my best, but he don't say anything about the world. He realized he's going to have grace toward them. He's going to have, he's going to pray for them. He's going to witness for them. He said, but they're not my best friends. I'm going to try to lead them to the Lord. He's going to try to love them and he's going to be the Christian in front of them. But my closest companions are those right here. Is this crowd right here? The Bible said, can two walk together except they agree? Listen to me. It's impossible for us to walk together in fellowship if we're heading in the wrong direction. Amen. You're heading it. It's impossible for two to walk together unless they agree. Let's walk together. Come on. How you doing? All right, good. See what I'm saying? 
You can be courteous. You can be friendly. You can lead them. You can do what you need to do for them and help them. But they, you're walking in two different directions. You cannot walk now. Now, if he and I were like this, we were walking like this. Now we're in green because now we're walking in the same direction. Now we got the same path. Now we know where we're going together. Amen. Thank you, son. You, you got to walk together. The two got to walk together. You cannot join up with somebody that's heading in the wrong direction and call that your best friend. If you're claiming somebody's your best friend and they're walking some other different path than you are, then you need to find you another best friend. Amen? You need to find you some other companions to hang out with. The problem with a lot of Christians, they stop going in the direction they need to go in and started going in the direction they don't need to go in. They found somebody that they're hooked up, yoked up with, and say, hey, I like what they're doing. I like where they're going. I think I'll just go with them. Hey, it may be fun for a while. It's pleasure and sin for a season. But then you're going to have to pay for that sin and that pleasure. Make sure those that are around you are walking in the same direction you're walking in. Amen. That's just what he's telling us. But I'm talking about correction for our companions tonight. Not wind up like the Laodicea in church. The last things we find Paul highlights in over and over tonight. Eleven different men that were his companions. Let me show you four things about this. Four things about these men. Correct, correction from companions. The kind of companions that you and I need in our life. And every one of us need in our life. The companions that you should have is at the house of God. Look what he said. Look back here. He said, verse, like I said, verse 8 through 11, these men are persistent workers. How, look how he describes these men. In verse 7, he says, beloved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant. And then he talked, he says, a faithful and beloved brother. Then he said, uh, uh, Archidus, my fellow prisoner. In other words, they have been locked up together. Marcus, Barnabas, nephew, he said, you have received commandments from him. And in verse 11, just he said, he is a fellow worker unto the kingdom of God and comfort unto him. They are the persistent workers tonight. Can I say about these guys? These are men that what is like to have less than in a desirable background. These men are not the, uh, have the, uh, the background of uh, those who have been around. They haven't had the background of thinking that. We got the idea that if I'm going to serve God, if I'm going to be what God wants me to do, I've got this had the idea that my background's got to be spotless. None of these guys' backgrounds are spotless. None of these guys' backgrounds are, are above uh, measure. All of these guys have been through. They know what it's like to go through trouble. They know what it's like to go through trials. They know what it's like to live for God and still be hurt. They know what it's like. You're, you're not going to live that way. But he's saying, hey, these guys, they, they don't have the right background, but they are a persistent worker for God. I, they know what it's like to have a burden. They, they know what it's like to be trialed. They know what it's like to be persecuted. They know what it's like. They know what it's like to carry baggage in their life and still serve God. Not these guys. These are close association of Paul. They know what it's like to have all kinds of issue in their life and still walk with God. They put all that stuff behind them. They go on living for God anyway. Here we find out Paul mentions Onesimus. 
You've read the book in Philemon. You, you read that book and that, it mentions him. It tells you know who he is. He's a, he's a slave. He, he's a slave. Paul writes the book to Philemon to the same to, at the time he writes this book, Colossians. Both of them are written from Rome and are sent back to where they go to. And he's going to Onesimus. His life has been easy for him. It wasn't easy. He, he was a, a servant of another man. He was a slave. His life was not easy. He was run away. And, and Paul had to write a letter for him. Yet he's living for the Lord, even though in the condition that he's living in, even though his heartache is going on, he's still living for the Lord as a slave tonight. He mentions Marcus. You go back and read the book of Acts. And you know who Marcus is. That is the fellow of the Acts called John Mark. He wrote the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. You say, well, he sounds like a pretty clean fellow. Yep. Until you read your letter, the Bible, Paul's first missionary trip, and John Mark went with him. In the middle of that trip, in the middle of that first journey, uh, uh, missionary journey, Paul, uh, John Mark got up and left. He left and he just left America. He said, in fact, he left and he called up and says, I'm through. I'm, I don't want this, do this no more. I can't handle it. I can't deal with it. And that's Barnabas' nephew. And, and what reason it caused that contention between Paul and Barnabas caused the next mission. Barnabas wanted to take Mark. And, and Paul says, oh, no. I ain't taking him because I know what he did the first one. He ran out on us. He ran out on me. So that you see he's mentioned these guys, and these guys ain't got the greatest background, you think. We think that in order to serve God, in order to be something for God, we've got to have the background. Let me just say this. My background is not a great background. Amen. I, I wasn't born, I, might have, I wouldn't even be born with a clean background. I was born in the seed, conceived in sin. I'll tell you, my background ain't been good. And let me tell you what, from the day I started walking to the day I started talking, it went downhill. It went downhill. But thank God. He, he knew. He got, you know, God can look inside you and see something you can't see yourself. He, he can see something in you that, hey, you didn't know was there, but God works with you and builds you up and, and, and brings it out of you. You said, Lord, I never thought I could do that. When he said he called me to preach, I said, Lord, you've got to be crazy. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm, bas I'm basically a bashful guy. I'm shy. I don't like to be around a lot of people, and I don't like people looking at me. And I don't. So don't look at me. Amen. But God knows how to bring the things out of you that he needs to bring out of you. Your background cannot be, I understand there are some that got saved in church when they were young and they stayed in church. They walked their life in church. They lived in church. They served in church. But yet still something in your background ain't always been perfect. So don't put yourself on a high plane. We try to do that. Paul mentions these guys. He mentions these names. But something along the line, somewhere along the line, Marcus got his, proved himself. He f proved that he was the real deal. Just because he had a failure in the past, you can have a failure in your past. And God still means. It doesn't mean God won't use you. Just because you messed up back then, God can't use you now. God can use him there. And I can say this, failure is not final with the Father tonight. Just because you, you fall flat on your face one time, 
I'm glad there's a God in heaven to pick you up. Says, I still love you. Let's go for it and keep moving on. Don't worry about it. I've got your back. I'm glad of that. Amen. He'll put you back in the ministry. He'll put you back in the work. He'll put you back in the battle. He's not going to throw you aside. That's why the potter and the clay, he keeps molding that until he gets it just like he wants it. You sitting here tonight saying, God can't use me because what happened back yonder. I can say you're lying to yourself. God can use you. No matter what you've done back there, God can use you. I, I know a friend of mine that was a priest, apprentice, minister, preached for years and years, fell out, went the way of the world, got in the world, and got up into Chicago, got to doing drugs, got running the world out there. Next thing you know, he woke up and he's laying in the ditch. He didn't know how he got there. He didn't know why he got there. He didn't know how long he'd been there. But he said, Jimmy, I laid there. I said, Lord, if you get me out of this ditch, you get me out of this ditch, I'll, I'll serve you from now on. I'll, I'll give you everything I and, and he did. He got out of that church. He went back, got into church, and went back into church. And, and it, God didn't let him come out and preach for a while, but it wasn't long. God said, hey, you can go preach now and turn him and preach. And now he's still preaching for the God. He, don't tell me just because you've got a failure to pass that God cannot use you. God still can. Thank God he can use those who have made mistakes. Ain't none of us perfect. Amen. You might think, well, I am perfect, Jane. Don't let, don't let your failures keep you from moving doing the right thing with God. Be a persistent worker. Sometimes we read about these fellows in the Bible and think, well, they're way up there. <laughs> they're way, no, they're not. They're not there. I, I can't compare it to a lot of them. I can't compare it to Paul. He, he was a preacher. He was a super Christian. But if you look at Paul's life before that, he was a murderer. Chased people, persecuted people. He hated the Christians. Don't tell me God can't use you. If God can use Paul, God can use anybody. There is persistent workers. You need to hook yourself up with those that are persistent in the walk with God and work for God. If you want companions in your life, make sure you're heading in the right direction with one accord, one mind for the same reason. I'm going this way to serve God. I'm working for God in this way. Make sure those that are around you have the same mentality that you have. I'm working for God. I'm going for God, and I'm not going back. That's the kind we need to have companions in life. Then there's the prayer warriors, verse number 12. Papas, whose name is one of you, a servant of Christ, salute you always, laboring fervently for you in prayer, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he have a great zeal for you. This is the kind of companion everybody needs in their <laughs> I like the way his prayer life was denoted. Always laboring and fervently. He's doing it for you. That's the prayer right there. That's, 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 that is a prayer right there. Always. Jesus said, men ought to always pray and not faint. Paul said, pray without ceasing. Prayer always. He didn't just say always. He said laboring. What's prayer laboring? What's he talking about prayer laboring? Sometimes it's work to pray. 
Amen. Sometimes you're going to have to labor to pray. You know, a lot of times we think, well, Lord, forgive me. I'm down. No. Sometimes Jesus prayed his great stripe of blood came from his He prayed. He labored in prayer. He, he committed himself, and he prayed, and he prayed. You know, every time you pray, what's the first thing that happens? The phone rings. But I, I, every time you go to pray, the devil's going to throw something in your path to distract you, to get you off key, to get you off. The devil knows exactly what he did. And every time I get ready to pray, ring, 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 I'm about ready to throw that thing out the door. But you, there, you, you're going to have to labor at praying. You're going to have to say, Lord, I've got to shut myself off. I've got to get in my prayer closet. I've got to put everything behind me. I've got to take the phone off the hook. I've got to get rid of my uh, cell phone. I've got to turn the TV off. I've got to turn the radio off. And I've got to get in my prayer closet. And I've got to get a hold of you. And it's going to take some work for you to do that. You just can't go in your prayer closet. Lord, here I am. What's up? You've got to pray. You've got to pray. And we, every one of us need companions. I've had people all the time tell me, well, I'm praying for you. I've got preachers always texting me, I'm praying for you. I tell them, I'm praying for y'all. You know what? That's the kind of people you need in life. Somebody's going to say, I'm praying for you. I pray for everybody in the church. Every day I pray for everybody in the church. Whatever going on in your life, I, a lot of times I know what's going on. A lot of times I don't know what. But I said, you know what? I can pray for them. Lord, whatever's going on in their life, you know it. I'm praying for them. We need people like that. I, I could not make it with somebody not praying for me. I couldn't do it. I can't make it. I got to have somebody praying for me. That, he said, you got to labor at it. I love the way he described it. It's laboring fervently. He said, never giving up, never quit, never stopping. He says, always going. I couldn't make it. Always praying. Those that are around you, you pray for you. Paul says, these are the companions you need in your life. These are the people that you need to surround yourself with day in, day out. Those who are like manner, same thoughts, heading in the same direction. Can I say this? You've got to watch out for someone who is worldly. Verse number four. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas. You notice, if you read that, if you really look at it real hard, if you read about it, Paul says something about every one of them except for Demas. Doesn't say he says Luke beloved physician and Demas greet you. Doesn't say anything about Demas. Why? Why is that? Have you ever read 2 Timothy chapter 4? Paul started listing all those names in there and all those things. He said, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed into Thessalonica. This is the same guy right here. You're talking about the same guy. He went back out loving the world. He was working the world. He was walking with God. He was working in the ministry. All of a sudden, he went back into the world. You've got to watch out for those that sit in church and say, I'm a Christian. I love God. I serve. And next thing you know, they're out in the world doing everything in the world. We've seen them. I've seen them. You've seen them. I know them. And they're there. You've got to watch out for that kind of person. Don't get hooked up with them. And Paul knew it. I, I, I believe Paul somewhere along the line started watching him slip. That's why he just said, and Demas. Because I believe Paul was watching his walk. And he said, you know what? That's not quite a walk. That's not where it should be. 
I imagine it, it hurt Paul. I imagine Paul started praying, Lord, you need to talk to him, Lord, you need to speak with him. I imagine Paul tried to reach out to him saying, I, I believe you're starting to slip. I believe you're starting to fall away. Oh, no, no, Paul, I'm still in the ministry. I'm still here. I'm working. I'm going forward. And it didn't take long. Paul wrote about it says, he left him for the present love of this present world. You've got to be careful of those who say they're Christians. And next thing you know, they're out in the world. There's too many in the churches like that. He said, verse 15, salute the brethren which are in Laodicea. That is the problem with the Laodicea. They got the Demas syndrome. They started loving the present world. You better watch out for those who are worldly. And you can tell them how they are. You can spot those in a heartbeat. And there are some sitting in churches tonight. They're worldly. You can try to help them. You can go to them. But you know Paul was praying for them. But what he's saying is don't follow them. They should not be your companions. They should not be the one you yoked up with because they're heading in the wrong direction. He says you've got to watch out for those who are worldly. And he said there's some personal piece of wisdom verse number 17 and he said to Archibus take heed to the ministry which thou has received in the Lord that thou fulfill it in verse 17 I want you to mentally write your name name above Archibus don't physically but just mentally write your name above his name And how the Holy Ghost is saying to you, take heed, you, to the ministry which he has received in ye, Lord, that you may fulfill it. Put your name there. Every time you read that, put your name there. It's not just reading it to Archippus and say, hey, that was meant for him. It's meant for you and I today. It's reading to you and I. I've got a ministry I'm supposed to take heed to. And receive it of the Lord. And I'm supposed to fulfill it. Same with you. You've got a ministry of the Lord. I don't know what that is. You need to get with God's Lord. I need to know what my ministry is. I need to what you what is. And I want to fulfill my ministry. I want to take heed of it. And I want to do exactly what you want me to do. He says that's what it is. You've got to take heed to it. Make sure you know what you're in the right direction. You want to know how you know the church is running right? Figure out what your ministry is. God has given it to you. Find out what your gift is. God has blessed you with. And just do it. Just do it. That's how you know the church is running right. That's how you know your life is running right. God has blessed every... (laughs) I'm going to say this and I don't want nobody to throw rocks at me. But God has blessed everyone sitting in here right now with a gift, blessing, a ministry, one way or another. Some shape, form, or fashion, you have been blessed by God. And you say, well, I don't know. I can't do this. I can't do it. Why don't you just get down on your knees and say, Lord, here I am. I don't know what you want me to do. But please reveal it to me. And God will reveal it to you. If you want your life in the right direction with the right companions, make sure you hook up with God, let God place you where He wants you to use, and then let God use you where He's put you at. Amen. I I thank God for our Sunday school teachers and our teachers here. I thank God for them. 